Welcome to the Working Hands Podcast. I'm your host, Tony of Woodland Iron, joined by Keith of Blackthorn Concepts and Chad of Chad's Custom Creations. All right. What's going on, boys? Well, I am recovering from a back injury already. I uh, took my family to a fall festival uh, over at the church right next door to us, and I held my little baby. She's She just turned one today, actually. It's her birthday. Happy, happy birthday, birthday, Evelyn. Happy birthday, Evelyn. Yeah, happy birthday. Um, she's... She is not a chunky baby, but she is solid. She's solid baby. And I just had her on my hip, flipped it over to the other hip, just carried her for two hours straight. By the end of the two hours, I just I felt my back muscles tighten up. And I was like, all right, it's time to go home. So I put her in the stroller, got her in the car, got her home. The next day, I was hunched over like the hunchback of Notre Dame. And uh, how many days later is this? This is like a week later. I'm still recovering. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, that just shows how much of a, a weakling I am compared to Tony, who just finished his competition last week. Tony, we need an update. What are you now, like the the world champ at this point? <laughs> uh, no, I uh, sadly I'm dealing with an injury. Like I was saying before, I'm dealing with uh, uh, relatively bad tendonitis in, bo- in both knees, and I went out and did a single squat. Instead of doing my three attempts, uh, well, actually, I had to do two attempts because my first attempt I screwed up. And you're supposed to go on the commands. I did my squat on the first command, then I come up and I step forward before they told me to rack it. Uh-oh. So one of the commands is rack, and I was just into the rack before they even set it. So, anyways, I, I redid the redid the attempt, and then then just timed out my third. Um, and because of the knee, the knee issues, I haven't been really training as hard, but I did have a pretty good bench session. Um, I think I hit 275. My, my all-time max is like 281. So it was close, pretty good for not having a good, a good lead up. And deadlift was just, I put, I think 440 was my last pull and it went up way quicker than I expected. So I'm, I'm happy with that because then just means there's, that's nowhere near my max, about 60 pounds under what I normally can do. But uh, it went up way quicker than I'd ever expect it to. So um, had a good feeling after after that comp. But uh, now it's just to, time to get ready for, for March and Nationals in Newfoundland. So that'll be, uh, that's the next one. That's awesome. Well, I'm, I'm glad you made it through and kind of powered through your injury regardless and went on with the competition. Just yeah, like, that- uh, it was part of it was I had to go to Easterns in order to go to nationals. So I had to be on one stage to get to the next stage. So once I made weight, I was qualified to go to nationals because I already have the numbers from previous competitions that, uh, that qualify me for nationals. So this, this sounds like weightlifting is the type of competition that requires more than just like the sprint, but it's a endurance game. Just like a tool company is a high endurance tool. Like you can buy craft tools that maybe last one job, or you can buy a really high endurance tool. Uh, Keith, do you have any idea of any high endurance tools that you might be able to talk to us about? I do, but not after that segue. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to say, though, that this episode is brought to you by Sabertooth Tools, who make uh, rotary burr tools for all your carving needs. You have plenty of different shapes and sizes. If you use the code WH for working hands, you can get 10% off your next order. I use them. I love them. I stand behind them. You should too. That's exactly what I was talking about right there. Very good. Very good, sir. It's a terrible segue. Terrible segue. (laughs) What am I here for other than terrible segues? (laughs) (laughs) So I guess we can get into the topic of today. Um, Speaking of terrible segues. (laughs) The way you bring it up, it would have been better without a segue. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, um, we had this topic floating around, so let's do it. But uh, is social media a driving force in what you make would be the ultimate question, the philosophical question. I feel like I should go last. <laughs> no, I, I actually think you should go first because okay. I have an answer. Uh, I know my answer already. Um, it may surprise you. We'll see your answer i have a guess of what your answer is tony i have no idea but i have a <laughs> guess as to what your answer is 
And if it's not what I think it is, I'm going to argue with you about it. That's what I'm hopeful for. I hope you don't agree with me. I hope we can argue about social media at least. <laughs> so uh, I guess I will. Arguing I about social media is a topic for another day. This is just in what you make is social media driving force in what you make. So it's going to be the standard weekly podcast where you you two argue and I referee? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me at him. Let me at him. Oh, this is why you're here, Tony. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so is social media a driving force in what I make? Is that correct? Yeah. You know what you're saying? Yeah. In, in, in what you do in terms of making, I, I should say. Okay. So yeah. as far as where I am now, I would say 100% social media has influenced and put me at where I am now. I mean, if it wasn't for all the inspiration that I gathered from people in the very beginning, I don't think I would have believed in myself as much as I do today. Um, I mean, we can call YouTube a social media, right? Yeah, I would. Okay. Yeah, we can. For the purposes of today, we will. Yeah. So, I mean, I would say like as a, as starting out, YouTube was a, was a huge influence in just me getting out into the shop, trusting myself, making me have enough bravery to turn on the table saw or heck. I even made my own table saw out of a flimsy piece of plywood and a circular circular saw upside down through it. So yeah, social media got me going. It got me started. Um, as far as where I am with it now, it's a supplement to my business. I use social media, yes, of course, to find inspiration, to talk with friends, hang out, quote in quote in quote. Um, but it's also for my business. I. I use it as a form of advertisement for what I make. Um, of course, people I follow and people who follow me are makers. They're not my clientele. They're not people who are going to buy from me. But I do also have people who are looking for things to be made by somebody like me. And when business gets slow, that's when you guys will start to see me posting more and more on Instagram or more and more on Facebook, because it seems to be that I'll post something that I've made recently. And that will spur more jobs for me to to do in my shop and keep the business growing. Um, but you say that your following is fellow makers and less clients. Uh, That's what you just said. I mean, you can. Did I say that? Well, I, I don't know. I think Tony, I, did. He not just say that. Yeah, uh, that's what I got out of it. Well, I didn't mean to say it that way. I would say yes. I do have fellow makers that follow me, but no, they're not going to buy from me. But. There is a correlation between me posting things and making sales. I mean, look back like a year or two ago, I posted this picture of a shark cutout made out of pallet wood. Somehow it went viral on Instagram. I think it was because I posted like a week or so before Shark Week or maybe a month before Shark Week. (laughs) It got picked up. It had like 50,000 impressions or something like that. People would click my profile. They would see that the link on there would lead them to my, um, my Etsy. And they found the the item on there. I made a lot of sales. I think as far as my top item, it has been that shark cutout. And it was because of that one single post. So yeah, social media is a huge influence. Well, it's a huge influence in getting action to your site, but to your Etsy. But Mm -hmm. was it social media that drove you to make that shark? Mm, No, it was my wife. (laughs) But that being said... Yeah, I see things on Instagram that are cool, or I see things on YouTube that are cool, and I want to make it. Sometimes I'll rip people off and resell it. Like I was saying last week, I made those trophies. A client found me. They said, hey, can you make something similar to this? I said, yes, I can. So yeah, that happens. I'm not bashful in that. I don't try to copy people. Like uh, I'm not trying to steal everyone's ideas, but I mean, is anything original anymore? Last I think week every, you were saying how you wanted to come after that trophy company, and he uh, he needs uh, to, he needs to watch out because you're going to steal his idea and then steal his clientele. I still <laughs> stand behind that. Yeah, I'm going to undercut him, <laughs> but it's only because he said he's the best trophy company out there. Those you are should. fighting words. Those are fighting words. Sh- well, you should think that about yourself, otherwise you shouldn't put yourself out there. <laughs> this is why I don't sell on Etsy. <laughs> yeah, and you don't like shipping things. Well, that's the whole nother ball game. Tony, I didn't make it yet. I will tomorrow. Oh, I'm not worried. <laughs> yeah, so I, I get where you're at. Like for me, I find um, I wouldn't call it a driving force in what I make um, because I, I do find like 
with blacksmithing, like every process is the same. You just kind of, you adapt it to what you want to build. I mean, it's kind of tough to be original. There are some guys out there that are, that are making original stuff that's just amazing. But at the same time, like a, a bottle opener is a bottle opener. Uh, and then if you get into, well, a knife's not a knife, but it's, th- there's different levels to it. But um, yeah, for me, I, I don't find social media much of a, a driving force. It, it, it does give me some inspiration, but generally my own skill set kind of drives what I make. Like I'm not going to, yeah, that's generally how I, I, I take it and how I treat it. I get inspiration, but that's did you, it. But did you get into blacksmithing because of social media? Yeah, I wanted to ask that. What's your origin? Um, I wanted, so my, uh, the origin with it is that I started out as an industrial mechanic at like 20, 21 years old out of school, out of a trade school. And I really took to welding and, and that kind of stuff and, and building out of metal and stuff like that. And I, when I started at the job I'm at right now, um, I was looking for an anvil back then, 17 years ago. I just never came across one or just didn't try hard enough until I found the one that I have now. That's, I think I think I picked it up in 2016. So that's how long I've had that. 2016 or early 2017. Either way, it doesn't, doesn't really matter. When did you strike your first hammer onto a hot piece of metal? Um, probably 2017, 2018. Okay. But yeah, for me, I, I had looked in like... Don't get me wrong. Like when those shows came on, like it, it kind of pushed me to get going, but I, um, I was looking at, at blacksmithing long, long before that. So, but I will have to give, give Forge and Fire and shows like that some, some credit in getting me, getting me actually motivated and going. They make it look so glamorous, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Until, until you learn a little bit and you're like, oh. That's cool though. Um, Going back to what I was saying earlier, like, is anything original anymore? Like, where are you picking up, like, your ideas for pieces that you're making? Are you getting inspired from things you're seeing other blacksmith making on social media? Or is it, like, family background? Like, you have a old grandpa, uncle blacksmith that has some pieces <laughs> around the house. Gra- grandpa, uncle didn't sound very good. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a TV show called uh, Uncle Grandpa or something yeah, my something kid like has that. been watching. But yeah, no, um, for the most part, most of what I've been making has been, uh, uh, customer requests. It's been like, they come up with the idea and then I work with the premise that they give me and then try and make something. I mean, the, the bottle openers that I do, that was, that was just me finding that that was, that was something from social media. Um, and then the burger press was a customer that came to me and asked me to make one. I mean, fire pokers have been customer requests, but th- those are those are that's a basic item that most most blacksmiths have. You know, it's a quick and dirty tool that you can make that, and that can make and you can make a little bit of money with it too. So, when you're working in your shop, are you like me, where you think, ah, I need to stop, I need to get out the camera, I need to take a picture of this for social media? Is social media a hindrance for you like it can be for me in your shop or Keith in, in your shop? So for me, at one point in time, it was. Um, I've since, because uh, I at one point in time, I was like, yeah, I should get, you know, get stuff together and start start putting stuff out there. Because I mean, I've had a lot of people say, yeah, it'd be really interesting to see what you're doing, see what you've built. Like, I mean, I built the shop myself, so it's it, it's just but I find that it's become such a hindrance that I, I only have so much time out there. And then the second you bring a camera out there, you've doubled your time. I'm in the same boat. So it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense for me to, to do it. I, I, and it's also because I don't have, I don't have the acumen. I don't have the skills and abilities to do as good a video as I want to do. I I don't have the ability to make a high quality video. I don't want to do, I don't want to do a video you'd see from the early days of YouTube and put it out today. Like I want to, you know, I want to have a, a video of a quality of, of like, of bring them up again, but like a skull and spade, like of a, a Brett McAfee, something like he does. Like those are beautiful videos. He's doing many movie. Yeah, he is. And, and I know that's a high, high level and he's got all kinds. And then that's a big thing. Like 
out of every big channel or every quality channel that you see, most of them have a TV, uh, audio visual background, some sort of background in that. And it just makes it so much easier. I mean, if I wanted to put the effort in and, and learn that skill, I probably could. Well, this is an argument for another day, but I'm going to bring it up since you started. But yeah. A lot of these people do have, and I know you mentioned Brett, so I'm not saying Brett, but a lot of these people do have a background in audio visual. And then they jump on because they know how to make something with a, out of a two by four and they jump on and they start claiming they're a woodworker. They're oh a woodworker. <laughs> so did you say they picked up a two by four? I did. Yeah. Woodworker. Wait, in in Chad's eyes and their eyes, that makes them a woodworker. Yeah. But it really hop, doesn't. I'm it gonna... just makes them able to make a compelling video and claim it's woodworking, in my opinion. They made that two by four look good though in the video though, didn't they? I'm gonna hacksaw Jim Duggan you here if you don't stop with two by four. Does anybody I'm guessing get that that's reference? a reference I should get. I don't <laughs> yes, know. Yes, I do. <laughs> I do. <laughs> Probably before my time. Chad, it's since you edit this, I want you to find the sound clip and insert it here. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. That was just my thing. Like the the, the problem is it it's not so much that you're competing against being able to make something as good as other people on there. You're also competing against people who have a background in making a. a movies and now they're on youtube so you're competing against two separate things it's not just showing off your blacksmith skills you actually have to show off your audio visual your lighting skills your sound skills yeah all so that stuff your storyboarding put it together a compelling story there's a lot to it that's why these production crews on on these tv shows have a lot of people around it because one guy can't do it all so yeah I've, it's impressive I've... what these people are doing on youtube i'm not saying it's not it's impressive. I don't have the time to do that. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. Like it's yeah, it's just a skill set. And and I guess should kind of get back to the topic, but I mean, I guess that's one of the I guess would be a driving why it's not a driving force for me because I just don't feel I have the skill set to to do to do well at it. And and what I have found is that when you look at like there's all kinds of old-timer blacksmiths out there and not even that old, like guys my age, but they've been doing it for decades. Like they started at 20 and they have very, very little social media. And then you'll find them, somebody will come across them and then you'll, you'll hear of them on a podcast or something and, and you'll, you'll, you'll get a little snippet on their social media and you're just like, man, their work's amazing, but they don't care about it. So you don't. They don't care about like, the social media aspect of it. Yeah. They, yeah. they they make beautiful work, but they don't care about social media because they're looking for that they're looking for that customer in in the older forms of like like word of mouth newspaper whatever. Or they have enough customers where they don't need social media to get them work. Yeah, there's that too. You guys are making social media sound so bad. <laughs> I feel like I need to jump in. No, here and for it. no, not at all. I'm I'm on it. I have multiple accounts on social media. Just on Instagram alone, I think I have seven accounts. So, yeah, don't don't think that I, I'm saying I'm degrading it in any way, shape, or form. I I think that there are plenty of people who've made a living, and I don't. I think it's amazing that they can do that. I I just know for me and my skill sets, it makes more sense to go at it the way I'm doing it. It's mm -hmm. it's a hobby. It's going to stay a hobby. Um, I have no want or inkling of it turning into um a full time job that takes away the job that I have now. Like, and, and that's just where I'm at with it. That's where I'm at in my life. I, I can't, it just, it wouldn't make, it wouldn't make sense for me. So there's, there's like two categories that you can be as far as how you interact with social media. You can either be like a consumer of social media where you go on, you view stuff, you get inspired by it, you learn things, or you can be, I hate this term. There's probably a better term. If you, you say can, it, I'm I feel like I want to punch myself. Is there another way to say this? A person who adds to the content. <laughs> but there's a balance, I think. Well, like, you I know, you don't have to be all producer. Like for me, I, I would say that I'm, I, I consume way more than I produce, you know? Well, I think that's true for all three of us. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think, I think we're all in that like prosumer category, if you want to use that as a term. But I think we 
we do a little bit of both. We probably do a little bit more of the, the consuming, but we do contribute on the other side as well. And I mean, technically what we're doing right now is, is part of part of the content side of things. <laughs> I know. You called us content creators. Tony said, con- said that. Well, as far as podcasts, yeah, I would call us a, a content creator. As far as my Instagram, I, I wouldn't call that a content creator's Instagram page. I don't make, uh, we haven't gotten to me yet, but I don't make for Instagram. Everything I make in my shop, I don't post everything, but I also don't make it because, ooh, it's going to be cool on Instagram. Let me make it. That's not, that's not my driving force for being in the shop. But like Tony, I only get so many, I get so few hours out there in the shop because of my day job that I don't want it taken up by me making a video of what I'm going to make. It's my escape from, it's my escape from my day job, you know? It's not, oh, let me make a video so I can quit my day job. Maybe if I was Mr. Beast or something making money, but to be a content creator, I don't think there's enough money in it for me to quit my job, at least not where I live. You see all these people who are doing it, they either had a job where they only worked eight hours or less a day, you know, and they were home more. But when you're working 12, 16 hours a day, there's no time to be a content creator like that, in my opinion. But No, I'm I'm with you. I... I even have I have quite a bit of times where I work work a shift job, so like I'll I'm in the middle of my four days off right now. But I still like I went out there when I got that rivet forge and I rebuilt it. I spent the two or three days rebuilding it. But if had I well, I started out doing a video, <laughs> and then the second I had changed angles, my interest was lost. Like the second that I had to move my camera, it was the camera got shut off and I just continued working. Mm-hmm. And that it just doesn't, it just doesn't work for me. I, I just can't get my head wrapped around it. And and I see value in being able to do that. But at the same time, I don't see enough value myself to do it. If that makes sense. And that makes sense. It does. And you're right. I mean, you have to be very disciplined to be able to capture the moments during a job that you're doing that you're you're practically in a flow state and to have to go move a camera change a battery wipe the paint off your lens or something like that ruins that flow state it kind of takes the fun out of it sometimes i also think a lot of it for well you're like you don't do much i mean you do a lot more content creation than me and tony but you don't do it like uh, like these other content creators that just make content Mm-hmm. And not that's my bread and butter. It's and more like a hobby. They, but that's why they make is to make content. They don't make because they're making for a purpose, right? Yeah. Tony and I may make for a hobby with a little bit of side gig money on the side. The content creation is third, right? For you, it's maybe two. I don't know. What would you say it is? But the other problem is Tony and I don't make the same thing on repeat all the time. You know, if Tony was making you know, a hundred bottle openers, he would know, all right, tomorrow I'm going to film. I know my process. Let me get that angle. He sets up that day. The next day he's out there. He's like, let me get the other angle. It looks like the exact same thing. He spends it over a week. He's got a whole video put together with one shot per day. Like that could happen. That could happen for you, Chad. For me, I've never made the same thing. Well, that's a lie. I made two of the same tables, but uh, (laughs) I, I did them next to each other, right? I'm not making the same table over and over again. Yeah. So it's tough. And I'm not making just tables. If I was making just tables, I know, all right, let's get the legs. Let's get this shot for that, you know? And when you're making something for the first time, you could potentially share a lot of the mistakes that you're learning about as well. (laughs) Right. Right. And I also come from, you know, when trying to be a shop teacher at one point in my life, and I don't want to give out wrong information or do something wrong on camera. So they would. I would have to cut out some things there and then I'm not showing how to do it. There's certain things I don't want to tell somebody how to do or show somebody how it's done just because I don't want them to go off and do it wrong and cut their fingers off or something. Yeah. And I guess for me, part of it too is like, I was just thinking about it. Like I'm learning if I'm trying to do the video stuff or even just photograph stuff, I'm learning both skill sets at the same time. I'm teaching myself to blacksmith. And then I have to teach myself how to do the, the, you know, video. The, the video. So to put two hats on and try and learn both hats at the same time, I just don't have, the, I don't have the will to do that. 
I mean, yeah. I'm sure there's plenty of people that would, and I, I don't begrudge anybody for doing, doing it. I think it's amazing what those people can do, but it's just, it, it's, it's not for me. Well, for me, I, I'm not necessarily learning the, the technique or something in the wood shop. You know, I don't do any new stuff. I just do recreations and reorders of the same techniques I know. You know what I mean? So I know what I'm doing out there, but my thing is it's, it's the order operations and the shots. And I just want to go out there. I just want to do it. I don't want to be out there and then move. I mean, eventually I want to make a video or two. I'm not saying I'm never going to do it, but I don't want to, I don't know. I feel like it gets in the way for me. Yeah, it's, I'm, I'm completely. It takes away the, the Zen portion and makes it more of a job for me when I'm just going out there to have fun. And make yeah. a very nice product of whatever I'm doing out there. But but it is, there's something about, it's fun to share the things that you're making with your friends. Like, I know the three of us, we talk amongst each other throughout the week in our little Instagram chat. I think we share more content in that message than we do on our own channels. It's, it's fun to get feedback on things that you're making. Um, yeah. And it's fun to get people's opinions on things. Like, you might be unsure about something. And I think that's where sharing can be a positive thing. And I would say Instagram is probably not the best place to get like constructive criticism. Cause for me, people are too nice on Instagram. You know what I mean? No, you're, you're right on because that's the thing is when we share between the three of us, we're going to get honest criticism. That's and constructive criticism. Mm -hmm. Nothing that's like, ah, that's, crap or well you might you some might get that some of it's for humor some of it's for humor <laughs> but yeah like and then you're also only sharing it within a group of three versus you know you share it you're sharing you know several thousand people like that's that's a totally different you're putting yourself out into a totally different spectrum or arena yeah. when you share it in the, in your group so within your within your feed so that's that's the big difference for me is to show you guys is one thing, but then to, to put it out to the, to the masses. I mean, I'm not a big, not a big, uh, Instagram account, but it's still like, none of us just, are big Instagram. Account. Yeah, true. But I'm even, I'm the smallest of the three. <laughs> but my thing is I'm, I'm old school. I'd like photos. Like I'll take photos all day long of what I'm working on and post them, but the, it gets zero engagement now that reels are out. So you pretty much, if you don't do videos, don't do anything essentially where yeah. everything's At least you're leaning. still building a portfolio that you could look back to, you know? Right. Okay. You for yourself. Okay. Understood portfolio. If I was doing a portfolio, I would want it to be the finished product, not the in progress. That's and true. every time I, I post a finished here. product, it tanks. Nobody cares about the finished product. Why? Because most of my followers are makers. They don't care about the finished product. They care about the process and this, or where you at with that. Mm-hmm. with that they want to see the videos they don't want to see the yeah well and then the stories seem to do so much better like we've seen it with the podcast when we put a story up and or and or a reel up they do better than the post yeah well instagram is pushing those yeah you do a post instagram's like yeah somebody will see it when they see your page i don't care i'm not gonna i'm not gonna help you out with that you know yeah. oh you did a reel let me usher you down to the stage <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> You know, it's, uh, yeah. they're not going to help you out with anything that doesn't help them out. And right now, reels help them out. Stories help them out. Why? Because they could fit more ads in between them. Because people scroll through the stories. People click through the, st- or they scroll through the reels and click through the stories. Yeah. What happens after every two? There's an advertisement. Right. When you're going through posts, it's like every fourth one, you can just scroll right past it. It has to be an eye catcher then. You know, it's not the music. It's not the audio visual catching you. It's just the visual. Yeah, you have easy to, to scroll past. You have to commit to getting past it if you if you don't want to watch the ad. So they get some engagement no matter what. Yeah, it's interesting how they sneak the ads into each aspect of the app as well. Like uh, ads were never part of stories for the longest time, but you can see them in there now. Same with reels. The only way oh, to not constant. see ads, I think, is to go directly to one person's page and view their portfolio. But how often does that happen? Not very often. So I was actually thinking of taking photos of my final product, maybe doing stories when I'm working yep. on a project mm-hmm. and reels is just, I don't know. I find the less you put into it, the better it is. 
yeah. and you need to shake the camera like crazy. It's all TikTok <laughs> style. Like, I yeah, don't know like, what it is. Like, what grabs people's attentions? What you want? It's so I'm not weird. a big account. I don't get a lot of views or anything. But I posted one last night. I mean, you can't even see anything. It's like a nothing burger. The real is a nothing burger. It's my best performing thing out there. Really? It, it, there's nothing to it. It shows you nothing. There's no value to it at all. And I did it as an experiment just to see if I could put something out with no value, see what it would do. It's doing great for my little page. It did great. Yeah. You know. I, I guess one thing for me that I've considered as far as social media stuff is I have, so I finally got my wi-fi working out in my in my shop so i have reliable wi-fi while i'm out there so i'm considering doing lives but i don't know that i don't know if i had 10 people watch it at, at when i'm doing something do it. That, i watch uh chris cash does them yeah and i think uh, that he's would just be there little, hammering away like when he knows he doesn't really have to pay attention to what he's doing he pops on a live answers questions it's all right i'll put it on every now and then yeah i'm uh, so yeah actually i just by by luck, I figured out my Wi-Fi was working the in the front of my shop, closest to the house. I hang my phone on a hook what? that I made. Your it shop is twelve work. by twelve, right? Yeah. Well, the in that first six feet, the Wi-Fi doesn't work. I hung it on the hook in the back where my welding station used to be, and I got full bars. And oh I'm my like, god! What's going on? It's so, that magical hook back there. I yeah. have uh, a Google. Home or Nest or I don't know what it is, but it's a mesh system. So there's okay. one hub that's in my house, um, in like the living room, and then all the way on the other side of the house is my shop. And I put another node out there that transfers, so it gets a better connection through the nodes or whatever. I don't know how it works, but it extended my Wi-Fi out to the shop that way. So you you could probably do that and get much better service in your shop if you had something like it, but it's expensive. Well, it's yeah. it's good now. Like I'm I'm good now because um, um, I was on Clubhouse the other day. And I think you were on as well. And normally it would go to my to my data or data. And um, and then when I put it up on the hook there, it it kicked back into my Wi-Fi and and I was able to to talk while I was doing a few things. So it was it worked great. I might try the live sometime, but. Uh, to get motivated to go back out in the shop. So going backwards here, Chad, you had asked Tony if like his origin story was generated through social media was yours. You kind of said so at the beginning, right? I, I, it's a little blurry. One really big part in my, my origin was my grandfather passing away and just inheriting a lot of his tools and also being at college at the same time. And one of the, the classes I was taking was... 3D design, basically. So we'd make 3D sculptures. But in that class, we had access to a full wood shop. And that was like my first ever experience with a wood shop that was set up. And man, I would spend all my time in there and I'd make extra projects. I'd hang out with the instructor, me and the instructor. After we like finished the course, we you went seem back like in. a teacher's pet. I am a teacher's <laughs> pet. And he was, me and him were like, hey, do you want to, like, I know the class is over and all, but do you want to make some cajones? Which a cajon is a musical instrument. It's like a drum. So, like, when we made those together, it was, like, neat because it was just us. There were no other students. We got to use the full workshop. We cut down plywood. We made, I don't want to go too far into it, but college wood shop was kind of an origin for me as well. So, but I can't remember if I was watching YouTube at that point or not. Like, I'm sure I was. When were you in college? This was probably, two. You're, you guys are going to be mad at me. 2000 and, 2012 would be about the year I was doing the wood shop. <laughs> well, that would be that would be a YouTube. Yeah, I was going to say YouTube wasn't even around when I was in college. Yeah, so two, YouTube, I think with the big names on YouTube were getting started around 2007. So they were already going. Like Jimmy Duresta was already on there. Bob from I Like to Make Stuff was already on there. I would venture to say I was already watching that stuff at that point, but that was probably my gateway. Like, oh, I've got the tools now. I'm in the shop. This is actually a real thing that I can do. I, I haven't cut my fingers off yet. Maybe I'll keep going. So that's kind of my origin. But Keith, what about you? Did I social should. media start you out with no. your hobby? No, not at all. Well, where did, where did you go? How'd you get into it? I was a kid. Woodshop. Working around the house with my 
they had woodshop back in those days. <laughs> yeah, they had woodshop back then. So much so that I went to college to be a woodshop teacher. And then I graduated and there's no more woodshops. I uh, know it, right? It was back yeah. at, back in the day when they'd give a five-year-old a, a circular saw and said, go to it, son. This is back before, this is, this is back before YouTube, Chad. Can you believe it? Before oh. YouTube? What? You mean the internet wasn't always around? <laughs> yeah, no. So in high school, I took as many wood shops as I could. Uh, I never took a metal shop, but I would go over there. My senior year, I basically didn't go to any other classes but wood shop. And then uh, college, college was a ruiner for me. We had a shop and stuff, obviously, but you know, they were pushing a different type of curriculum then, switching over to STEM before they called it STEM, before STEM was STEM. Yeah. And then, uh, that's cool. That's that's a that's a big contrast to me. Like many many you, years of doing it, you were making before you could be influenced by things. Internet. I think probably back then I was maybe making even later the, on before people had really had access to the internet. Yeah, so like probably the first thing you saw woodworking wise was probably what lumberjocks the forms, right? <laughs> yeah. You ever remember getting on there? Yeah, I was on lumberjock. I think that was one of the first like internet woodworking things, probably right. Yeah. Wow. But then, then I switched to being into cars. Uh, so I went through a big car phase for a while. I guess that's a form of making, right? I would say so. Building apps oh, yeah. and stuff. Yeah. If you were working with your hands and touching parts on a car, but you I were get- a mechanic. <laughs> oh, is that is that, is that it? Yeah, yeah, you're a mechanic. I'm a mechanic. I, t- I I know how to turn a wrench. I I turned a bolt. So I'm a mechanic now. Um, but yeah. <laughs> The uh, I guess I I guess you would say I, I would have been influenced by magazines back then, maybe TV shows. Is that is that the original social media? So maybe oh, yeah yeah. When Tony was talking about Forged in Fire earlier, I was racking my brain. Is that social media? Like what? I guess there's no interaction between the viewers and in the actual show. I guess that's just being being influenced by media. Yeah, right? there's definitely that because I, I I had a phase too, where I at one point in time I I wanted to build a uh, like a sand rail, like essentially what the side-by-sides are now, like a four-wheel drive car, essentially. Um, and I remember looking at, uh, what was it, Dirt Wheels? Or AT- an ATV Rider. There was a couple of magazines. I don't even know if they still exist. They probably do, just in, in a different form. But that was, I still had, I had the books up until probably the last couple of years that were still in my basement, and we just got rid of them. But I, that's how... I went through those books trying to find parts and what suspension I should try and use. And it was a pipe dream to build one at one point, but I was, I kind of went through that. And that was when I started, I was, I was working as a mechanic. I was, was working like I was welding every day. I was fabricating every day. So it was, it was a big part of what I did. I just didn't have the facilities. I was living in an apartment at the time and, and had no, no shop to work out of. So, but is that social media? I'd say no. No, no. I'd say that's media. Because, yeah, I think it's when it's one-sided Mm because there's no feedback. Social media, that's, I can, if I like something, I can talk to somebody and and whether they correspond or not, I've still maybe influenced them in some way. Well, in the magazines, I don't know if you remember, you used to be able to write in a letter and maybe get published and they would answer your question. Yeah, some of the, yeah, (laughs) yeah, that's true too, but I was, I'm. I'm no writer. Couldn't figure that out. It's just like how you interact with podcasts now these days. You have to write a letter to us. But you can write a letter to us at workinghandspodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, social yeah. media. Yeah. You can yeah. also hit us up on social medias at Working Hands Podcast on Instagram. Yes, sir. Yeah. Well, let's not close it out yet, right? No, no, no. I feel like we need to dig into the social media a little bit more. Right, Social media right. is good, but it can be bad. I think it's good in, in our realm, you know? Like, if you're in the hobby realm, I think social media thrive. Can Can I say that there are days where I get nothing done because of social media, when I should be getting a lot done? I think that happens to everybody. Are you guilty of that, too? Yes. Oh, yeah. Thank God I'm not the only one. <laughs> and And let me tell you, I know that it's such an issue that I've put an app on my phone that I can put a time period where these apps will be locked and I can't get into them, right? Well, here's the problem. I can go into that app and unlock it. And you know what <laughs> I've been doing for the past like three months? Unlocking the apps and being on there when I shouldn't be on there. I should be working. So, Yeah, but 
you don't need your phone in the shop. Leave your phone inside. Y- you know what my excuse is? What if they go about the kids? What if they call about the kids? What if there's an emergency? No one can get and contact me. What is this always needing to be connected feeling in my gut? It sucks. I'm Probably because you grew up at the time where you were always connected. No, that didn't start until I was about 15. 15 was when I got my phone. You were 15. Yeah. 15. And I remember what it was like before that. You were probably the last kid to get one at that age. I think I was 20 when I got mine. And it was like a suitcase phone, right? Like you had to. Before that, that, I had a pager. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I was about the same age. I was was 20, 21, and I got one of the. The peanuts. You remember those? They look like a peanut. It was a <laughs> Motorola phone. Okay. Mine was a mo- uh, looked like a peanut. Was it a what? flip phone or one of was the sliders? Black and silver. Uh, Mine was black and silver, and it came no. in like it had like a hip waist to it. But I wouldn't say it was a peanut. No, this one. Yeah, this one. Well, yeah, it was round at the top, and then it had a waist, and then it came round again at the bottom. Yeah, that's but what not, I had. Not fully round, but it just that kinda... wasn't my first phone. My first phone was just this. Square rectangle. Well, you know what was great back then? The phones were so useless that the only cool things you could do was text and send pictures. No, this it is, wasn't. We didn't have text. Oh God! Well, my first phone wasn't even. It didn't even have a text, let alone a are camera. Are you telling? Are you that, telling me I had that, and the antenna would break off all the time, and it didn't matter. I had three of those. Yeah. I broke them all the time. So yeah, Tony just held up a picture of a phone that looks like a house phone. Basically, it's black Motorola, silver. Yes, Chad, silver you're frame. too young to remember. Yes, when yes young one. Shut, shut your mouth. Shut <laughs> your mouth, young one. But, but guys, what I was saying was the the distractions of the phones didn't really happen until the iPhone and came out because you, because there were apps you could get on the internet, you could search things. That's when the well, yeah. The only thing the only thing this was good for was as a phone. Like there was no you text, text message. On that. There you was, mean you had to talk to people on the phone? Yeah. Yes. Ugh. You had to call and, people. And you got charged oh. per minute. Per oh minute. Oh, my God. You had to pay to talk to people. And and for anybody that's following along at home, I believe this is a Motorola 120C, if anybody wants to look that up. Circa see what, see 1998. What we're using. Uh, no, no. It would have been 2000, 2001, I think. Ooh. When did the iPhone come out? 07. That late before that i had a uh motorola q i had a blackberry at one point and ever since then our working hands have never been softer once they started touching the buttons on those phones and now our phones don't even have buttons speak for yourself chad i think you probably have the softest hands here i was gonna say you want to see my calluses ah no i did 10 tons of gravel recently my hands are like sandpaper right now you're still taking naps from that (laughs) my back tons of gravel come on and tons of gravel, these kids. Yeah. Call me when you do 20 <laughs> per day for a week. <laughs> without touching your phone. Or naps. Uh, how yeah. long do you think you could make it without your phone? Uh, 30 I, minutes. <laughs> how, how many gra- I'm going to say it. I'm addicted to it. I'm While 100% I'm addicted to it. Yeah. When I, when I pull I, it out, I have a routine. I click this app, this app, this app. I check those notifications. What the? I feel like I'm smoking cigarettes. <laughs> I've noticed if something really stressful or annoying happens, I pull my phone out. Like, yeah, it's I, like I'm uh, tweaking. I'm a tweaker. <laughs> Without the meth. <laughs> but I don't know. It might be as detrimental as the meth, you know, at times. It's not as bad as meth. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we got to get that fast talker. The opinions of the Chad are not that of the Working Hands podcast <laughs> or Tony or Keith. They are the sole oh. opinions of Chad and Chad only. We do yeah. not recommend you follow his opinions. Yeah. I mean, I feel like this is probably a full topic for another day, but like the detriment of distractions. There we go. Yes, that's, that, a, that's a title right there. Write that down. We'll do that in a couple of weeks. if i'm still alive i don't know well i I would say we would do it next week but we'll get distracted (laughs) (laughs) oh so yeah well i don't know social media it's evolving it's changing i think uh it's good it's bad it's ugly i was gonna say did we actually answer the question (laughs) yeah i did i said i'm i'm not driven by 
what I make is not driven by social media. I'm not saying I'm not on social media all the time and it doesn't drive my distractions. But what I make is not driven by social media. I don't make for social media and I don't necessarily make what I see on social media. Yeah. I, yeah I'm, I'm interested to hear from our listeners. I, I, this might be cool to do. Maybe if, if there's any listeners that feel inclined to share their opinion on social media, record, record a voice memo and just send it to the Working Hands podcast at gmail.com. That way we can go ahead and get it on my computer. And if you have something good to share, we'll share it next week and we can kind of continue the conversation a little bit. But uh, apart from that, I think this would be a great time to thank our patrons. And my goodness, our Patreon has been growing and it's just so delightful to see that. Again, it's what gets me on this podcast. If it wasn't for you guys, I wouldn't be here right now. Oh, maybe I shouldn't say that. (laughs) This might be how they get me off the show. Well, anyways, Tony, <laughs> maybe you should go ahead and thank our top. Before you supporters. do, I just want to put out to the Patreons, there is a price to get Chad off the show. So, <laughs> so keep those contributions coming and we'll get them off of here as soon as we can. I better be a All high right. number. Nah, it's not that high. <laughs> <laughs> All I got to do is leave a message on the Patreon page. <laughs> oh, man. He still keeps coming back, though, people. I'm not sure why. <laughs> we'll right. on again next week. Don't worry. Yeah. yeah. He does, uh, ed- hey, he does edit our stuff. Um, all right. So, Patreons. Um, once again, thank everyone for, who does uh, donate every month. Uh, our, we have just our highest level this week. No new uh, lower levels. <laughs> so, we have uh, Uncle Sam Metalwork. Two Many Mistakes, Green Street Joinery, Full Steam Designs by Chris Powell, Lillian Archer Photography, David Beckwith Makes, and NB Wood Finery. And also we have Art, oh, I'm going to say this wrong, but he. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you are. I've been waiting for this one. I know, that's why I left he it for last. He was practicing before the show. I know, I'm trying, I'm trying. Sorry, man. Um, sorry, he's Sorry. I know I'm terrible at this stuff, and now that I now that I'm focused on it, it's getting worse. It's gonna be so great. Our t- uh, oh jeez, our tuned oh jeez. You remember how to say it? <laughs> Just play it on your phone. Oh, so a little backstory. I, apo- I apologize for this. A little backstory. Last week, Tony messed up this gentleman's name. I knew he did too. Yes, I I messed it up. I. It's funny because his name is similar to someone that I grew up with. And instead of saying Matthew, I said Michael. And it's a, it's a Michael that I, that I grew up with. And uh, Michael yeah. needs to pay up then. Yeah. <laughs> well, here's what he sent me. Artigiano Serio. Yeah. yeah. Artigiano Serio. There. Now that I heard it, I can say it better. That was pretty good. I apologize. A, but a we, we are trying, we're trying to do better. He's going to have it on loop in his ear all week. Yeah. I guess we'll find out whether or not you did a good job if we lose a patron. <laughs> well, we'd like to say thank you anyway, Matthew, on behalf of Chad and I. Well, I'm saying thank you as well. I just butcher yeah. his name. <laughs> I couldn't say that name if you asked me. Yeah. So once again, thanks to, uh, to all our patrons. Thanks. We uh, also want to thank everyone for recommending names for this Shed Saga. I uh, saw everyone who contributed <laughs> to that on there. Um, some some favorites. I think I saw, I really liked Casa Procrastination. Is that right? No. That I believe it was Casa Procrastinata. That's a good one. And it fits with me so well, especially because <laughs> the hammocks are hanging out there still. <laughs> so speaking of the shed, what do you, what, I mean, what have you been working on? Did you get it all insulated? No, we're not is there it, yet. We're is still it wired up. Did the electrician come and wire it up? Oh, gosh, I've got good news. Well, bad news and crazy news. Let's hear it. You guys are going to want to talk a lot, but but let's let's not. Let's not run on for too long. Um, The quote from the electrician, man, I was spot on. The quote for them to get the job done, not even wiring the shop, just getting a sub panel to the shop. $5,200. And this is in Georgia, people. So imagine if that was Jersey. Oh, my gosh. Well, well. I'm going to be I, shopping for an electrician next week, so we'll see what happens. Good luck. 
Well, I, I don't think I'm going to tell you guys what, what I'm going to end up doing. We'll save that for another podcast, but um, that's a high number. That's <laughs> almost as much as the shed. So take a guess. The shed's we'll going to be that. wood storage? We'll save, we'll save that for another day. Yeah, I was considering, is this just going to be the finishing room? <laughs> I'm running extension cords. Nah, nah, we'll talk about that later. But um, I started to paint it. I was doing that actually just a few hours ago. I was painting it. Uh, wood's dry enough. Go ahead, getting it painted before winter gets here and it gets covered in cold and rain. Uh, worst thing that could possibly happen. I bought a five gallon thing of white paint, exterior grade, great paint, most expensive paint I could get. Well, I was using that airless sprayer, right? Thankfully, it still works even after leaving water in it for a year, which you're not supposed to do. I was surprised. Well, uh, you can put the sprayer into the bucket, the five-gallon bucket, right? It hangs on the side of it, oh. right? Okay. So, we're on the gravel. I'm See. going around to the other side of the shed. I pull on the cable and I hear a glug, glug. I look over. My five-gallon $200 of paint is pouring directly into my gravel. The worst part is I could have saved $100 worth of paint because there was still half a gallon in there or 2.5 gallons in there. But I you grab run them for the camera first, right? <laughs> no. I grab a shovel and I start scooping the paint back into the bucket. But guess what was in the bucket? Oh, gravel. Mm. So uh, the paint is useless People, i tried to please spray do it. not do what the chad does like every, that is not a good example every five seconds the sprayer would jam up with little granulates of sand or particles it's not going to happen so all of that paint is just trash so thankfully i had an extra gallon container that was separate and i just started rolling it and painting it by hand and it's slow but my goodness, I wish that's how I did it at this point. I wish I could hit control Z and start over because that was a painful mistake. That sucks, man. Yeah. yeah. So pray for me. I'm trying to recover from that. Although when something like that happens, I mean, in hindsight, yeah, I shouldn't have shoveled it in. But when something like that happens, your mind is not thinking right. You're no. pissed off that it happened. You go running around trying to solve the issue. It was like, and everything that could go bad happened at that exact moment. I knocked over the paint. The dog, our dog Winston, was running down the street because he realized that his electric fence is not working anymore. So my kids are screaming at me like, Winston, Winston's going down the street. And I'm like, I got paint right here. My kids are running down the neighborhood. I'm like, ah. So yeah, it was it was a moment. But uh, that's all I'm going to share for today. I've got more that I could share. But so I'll, you're painting the shed white? Yeah, we're going to match it to the house. So like I said before, we live in like a, Tudor house, yeah. white stucco, brown trim. So I'm just going to match it to the house, try to keep it looking good for the for that wife. What about you, Tony? What have you been working on? Uh, mainly just recovering from comp. I haven't, uh, the weight cut this time was pretty rough. So I had a couple of days of just trying to get myself back to rights. Hopefully get out in the shop tomorrow, but we'll see. Does this mean Tony had to take naps? Yeah, there's a lot of sleep involved in powerlifting, actually. But usually not naps. It's usually like you just sleep longer. Huh. And then sounds you get like, up and go. Sounds like a sport I could get into if it involves sleeping. I like that. Yeah, it also involves hard work. Yeah, never mind. <laughs> Pick Throwing out my back with my daughter. My one-year-old daughter was enough for me. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it will be a pretty relaxed week this week. But um, I'm hoping... The cooler temps, I should be into the shop a little bit more and uh, hopefully get a few things going for Christmas, get a few little gift ideas and stuff together for people. So did pretty, did decent last Christmas with a few things. So I'll try and do that again this year. Same items or are you thinking something different? Uh, mainly the same items. I mean, I got half a dozen or so of those bottle openers done. Um, How many beer caramelizers? I'm just trying to get it out make? there. Oh, I, I hate Oh, I want to get those things done, but man, they are killing me. You just struck a nerve there. Oh, it's my own fault. They're they're a nice little item, but I just my uh, my processes are wrong. I'm trying to upset stainless, and it just doesn't move well doing that. So yeah, stainless still is, from what I understand, I'm not an expert, but that's really tough metal to move, right? It's 
it's pretty tough. And then the, so my next. Sounds like you need to buy one of those presses. Yeah. I don't think it would do that for this piece, but um, no, it's uh, for the next bunch that I do, I'm going to, I'm going to get three quarter inch steel and that'll help, help me out because it'll draw, draw out easier than it will uh, upset because I get playing around with drawing it out, um, the handles on the pieces that I have, and it really, really moved nicely that way. It just, it, so it I know, compress. I know the difference, but what do you mean when you say draw out and upset? <laughs> the faces you're making oh my gosh all right yeah i know yeah you know right um i so know i know I... upsetting is for the listener yeah so upsetting is you're trying to compress the metal to get a bigger cross section so usually you heat a small section on the end and then you strike it from the top and then that'll give you more mass at the bottom it shortens the piece but then mushrooms it out then it'll give you more mass and then drawing out is just, you're just taking it from, say, the half inch that it is down to like a three-eighths or something like that. So when you compress it that way on the cross-section, it makes it long, the piece will get longer. That's where that term comes from. Uh, I had a question about stainless steel. Yep. So it's super shiny and beautiful when you get it. When you forge it some, does it carbonize and get it all black and nasty? Or what does it, it look like it after does, you forge it? It does, but it'll, it'll come back you can you can polish it back okay so a little like a flap disc and polish up to a shine again if you want yeah i've been i've been using um i've been using uh my 2x72 with a, a scotch brake um, ah, cool. belt That's right. and it and i'm not trying to get it polished and clean because the customer wants it kind of a little on the nasty side like he wants it to look handmade so it not being pretty is fine by him very cool. Very cool. Keith, I know you got that pod recently. I did. How's this project of cleaning out your shop and revamping the workspace going? Good. I got uh, a ton in the pod. Um, I got rid of a lot of stuff, like I keep saying. Uh, got more Because the pod was not big enough, right? Uh, no, no. I just didn't pack it the way I should have. Um, All for the better. The more that goes down the street, the better. Yeah, no, but like I even left some things out of the pod um, on purpose just because like the mower and stuff. But I could have probably fit everything in the pod, um, but I didn't pack it to fit everything in. I packed it to be able to build what I need, like use it kind of between the two, you know? Yeah, yeah. Almost like a makeshift shop. Well, a makeshift spot to store the tools to bring out and work on things. Um then I went kind of a different way. I'm not going to build cabinets yet, I don't think. Just one. I'm going to build one big cabinet now for like the Jeep top and stuff to hide that out of the dusty area of the rest of the shop. Um, but yeah, going well. Um, I would say uh, because I left things in the garage, like I left the mower and some tool boxes and the table saw in the garage, I did about half of it in paint already. Uh, and then I'm going to move everything to the painted side tomorrow night and start the rest. Yeah, so I think you're leaving some details out, but you have used paint on the concrete floors, right? I switched to paint, yeah. I was going to do epoxy, um, and I talked to a bunch of people, and uh, no one's really happy with their epoxy, which I thought was weird. So, as you know, I'm in the city a lot, in all different buildings throughout the city for my day job, and I deal with all the supers there. And the supers that run the big buildings in Manhattan are all... You know, I talk to them because they always have the concrete basements and they're always painted beautifully. And I asked them, I said, do you use paint on this or do you do the epoxy stuff? And I asked two like last week and they both said, we gave up on the epoxy. We just used this paint. So I switched to the paint and their thought process is no matter how good or who they hire to do the epoxy, eventually it peels. Wow. Paint peels too. So paint is easy to fix. He's like paint. I could just go over top. When you have the epoxy, you got to grind out a section, smooth it, blend it in. The color never matches with the paint. He said it always matches. He's like, I painted an area of this hallway last week. Do you see it? And I said, no. He goes, there you go. <laughs> now, see, what's cool about that is that is the knowledge that you won't find on social media. You're going to find all these guys who have epoxy sponsors. They're shilling out, sharing the information on how great epoxy is. You went out, you find actual superintendents found what really works best for them. Well, that's great. 
Well, they give me an idea. I I'd given up on the epoxy before I asked them. I was <laughs> I was already I was already down the paint road. Um, but they confirmed uh, it but and gave did, you the right product. Yeah, I talked to them. They confirmed. Uh, yeah, and uh, they use one that's a little different than the one I got. But I asked them. I said, "This is what I'm thinking." He goes, "Oh yeah, we've used that. It's the same color. When we have to, we'll go get that." And I bought it locally. You guys can figure out what store I went to to get it. Just the one one part paint. But you do have to prime it, he said. So um, I prime, I clean the concrete, and then I put down this primer, which it's like it's like painting with mashed potatoes. It sucks. <laughs> it took Sounds me, s- yeah, it took me so long to get it on. I've never heard that before, but yeah. it makes it makes a lot of sense. That's how uh, my paint looked like after it had all the gravel in it. Yeah, well, yeah, I, no doubt. maybe I'll do a video of this when I do the other half this weekend. Um, but it took me forever. And you forget, like, when you get into painting with uh, a primer like that. Like, I don't know if you guys have ever used Ripper or anything that goes on. But this stuff's a little bit thicker. And you could tell that whatever I put on it is going to be fine for my use in my little shop. You know, the half I've done, I started moving things back in. I, I've been working in there again. I got the CNC so set up. I had to do more stuff for the boys at Green Street this week. So that half is operational. and. It's just so much nicer. Like everything cleans up nicer than having the bare concrete because now I could just sweep. But this primer that you put, it's thick. So it kind of fills in like the little cracks and stuff and the little mm. holes. It fills that in. Yeah. So you just Obviously, I had a crack in my garage floor. I still have a crack in my garage floor. Yeah. But it's, it's filled in. So now when the paint is on there, it's all like it's, it's all one layer, not one layer, but it's all. It's not going to collect sawdust anymore. Right, like it's filled. Yeah. It's it's not filled, but it's like um, what's the word? There's no cavity there anymore. You know what I mean? There's a filled line where you can see the crack. Yeah. Yeah, I got you. Um, so it's just so much nicer just to sweep up and clean at the end of every day. That's great. It's like a whole new ball game. And you sent us a picture of it where you had done the floors, you'd done the walls, the trim piece, and you brought back in some of your mechanics tool chest. And man, those things look good in there now. It looks like. A professional shop yeah that's not how they're going to be laid out either that's just where i put them to get back to. yeah so they'll be laid out a little differently but uh yeah it's looking sharp in there like it's actually uh i was embarrassed when tony was here i'm actually getting to be proud of uh of what it's going to look like so as you should be but yeah i mean i didn't cheap out on the paint i bought you know so i don't think you could just go buy paint for it it i probably spent just as much money in the epoxy as I did, or I, I spend more, like if I'd gone for the Rust-Oleum epoxy, I spent more on the primer and paint than I would have had I just gone with the Rust-Oleum epoxy. Mm-hmm. But at any time I could just put paint over top, not have to do any of that crazy prep and etching and all that crap that goes along with the epoxy. Yeah. And you didn't have to worry about the fumes either. Uh, I believe with the types of paint that you were using, it's probably minimal compared to what that epoxy stuff smells like yeah there's no vocs with this i didn't smell anything good deal but what i was saying about the the primer i put down the primer and it's like painting mashed potatoes right and i'm doing the walls too which are bare cinder block now but i'm painting and uh i didn't think it would look as good as it did so when i was i did the walls first and when i was doing the walls it was just the sheetrock garage there was no like i guess they put up the sheetrock and they ran their spack on it but they didn't do anything good with it you know mm-hmm. so i'm using this leftover paint from when we painted our house which was paint that didn't work so we changed up what we were doing and i should have remembered but two years later i didn't but i have these three gallons of this off-white paint so i start painting and the whole reason we didn't like it was it doesn't cover so i put three coats oh. on and you could still <laughs> see the tape lines and everything but i'm yep. like yeah it's a garage who cares you know so then I get the epoxy on the ground done and I'm looking at the walls and I'm like, I may have to repaint again. Oh so, man. I don't know what I'm gonna do with that. I probably won't do it. You know, who cares? Once I start hanging clamps and stuff on the wall, you're never gonna see it. So it doesn't- from from the pictures, the walls look really good with the floor, but I mean I know how that is when you're up close and personal, you can kind of see through it sometimes. Oh uh, the wall the like where the two pieces of sheetrock and the tape, like where the tape is. There's not enough spackle on them when they did it. And I didn't care. And as I was rolling, at one point, the tape started peeling. I'm like, I don't care. It's a garage. <laughs> yeah. At the time, I didn't care until I started doing the epoxy garage floor. And I'm like, man, this place is looking sharp. And then you look up and you're like, ooh. 
Yeah, yeah to that's kind of cool things on the walls and get the distraction off that. Well, I'm actually thinking because it's kind of high up because I got um, like a two foot. What's that called? Two foot like foundation wall. And then there's a four foot piece of sheetrock. And then there's the tape belt line. So I could just cheat it and put plywood up for that, that belt line and make yeah. it a French cleat going all the way across, like all the way around the shop. And it would be at the right height for that. That's perfect. There you go. So I'm really Problem not I'm really not worried about it. But the paint on the rest of the walls, and I don't know if the prior owner, I think he smoked in the garage. Because for the ceiling, I put on three coats, and it's still coming back like that. Yellow. Like you could kind of see the gray, the like the yellow through it, but who knows? It was a garage. It could be anything, you know? You, yeah, are you even using, exhaust. Are you using just yeah. the like cheap ceiling paint for the ceiling? or? Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Yeah, you may have to use like a like a kills stain blocker or something first to get rid of that nicotine. Yeah. It doesn't smell like nicotine. It never did when I was there. But when we moved in, in the lawn, I did see some, some butts around, but yet I go out to my mailbox every day now. And there's always a butt there. Somebody <laughs> must. I think the guy who drives down my street every day must light it at like one end or like it's wherever he typically lights when he is ready to throw it out his window is when he's driving past my house. Like those people who are living Groundhog Day, <laughs> day after day, they have their routine. Oh, here's Keith's mailbox. All right, <laughs> time to throw my butt into his yard. Yeah. Well, I work from home, so I know there's no one standing unless he's standing out there in the middle of the night. But every day I go out to walk my dog, and like within a five foot area, there's always like a fresh cigarette butt. Well, are you boys working on anything else, or does this conclude this week's episode? Oh. Until the after show. Well, let me do a shameless plug because, you know, what are podcasts for? I finished the laser video, guys. Everyone, it needs a boost. It's doing well. It's number one out of 10 on my videos. But if the listeners have 10 minutes to spare, go check out my YouTube. Or five minutes if you watch it on two time like yours truly. I don't know what that does for algorithm. I hope it's okay. I think it, re- I think it counts it as five minutes watch. It's bad for you if I watch I'm, it on. I'm gonna stop sending you my links then. <laughs> watch it at normal speed. Why no? <laughs> Do a faster video. Yeah. Okay. But anyways, L- Big Blue. If anyone is interested in, it, I know a few of our listeners are e- already considering maybe buying one, which is great. If if you if you are really thinking about it, and you're serious, send me an email. I can get you in contact with the owner, and we can maybe even work out a discount on those as well. But if you want to see how it runs, how it compares to the old red laser, go check it out on YouTube. I would appreciate it very much. With that being said, Keith, why don't you close out the show? All right. I'm going to ask you to leave a review, rate and review on Apple Podcasts, or if you can on your podcatcher, do it there. But let me know what it is, because the only one I know about is Apple. But if you want to if you want to find Chad or his YouTube videos, you can find him at Chad's Custom Creations. Tony's over at Woodland Iron. I'm at Blackthorn Concepts. And the collective three is at working hands podcast at Gmail or on Instagram. With that, we're off to the after show. Later. Goodbye, everyone. Aloha.